0: Hey, what's up, LifePoint? How you guys doing today? Come on, you glad you came to church, joining us online? I wanna say welcome to everybody, so glad you're here. My name is Mike Burnett, my wife, Stephanie, and I are so honored to serve as pastors of the church along with an amazing team, and we're so thankful for all of you that joined us today, those that are online, in the room, and those who are at all of our locations, our Austin P. State University campus, as well as those in Arizona, at our Chandler East Valley Dream Center. We love being one church in a bunch of places. Can we say what up to our whole church family, everybody? Come on now. Those of you that are part of our online campus, I wanna say a big welcome to you as well. Uh, It is Baptism Sunday, I'm so excited about that. I love seeing people take that step. And if you have not been baptized in water as a follower of Jesus, and let me just give a caveat to that too. I was baptized as a kid, whenever we'd visit a new church for longer than a month, they'd always wanna dunk us down for a little while. And uh, I always felt like they held me down a little longer than my brothers, you know what I'm saying? But I got baptized multiple times as a kid, and then I became a Christian, for real, when I was 17. And that's when I was water baptized as a follower of Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you, uh, maybe you had that kid experience too, but it it wasn't really your decision or something that you had uh, had done as a committed follower of Christ. And today would be a great day for you to be baptized. We have everything that you need for baptism today. And um, I wanna say also, as we get ready for Easter Sunday, come on y'all, that is always like Super Bowl for the church. We love Easter Sunday, it's a big day. We're gonna do a lot of services Um, But Saturday night, we'll have a dream team service. And the reason we do that is we wanna let as many of you that want to serve all day Easter, as many services as you can on Easter Sunday, have the opportunity to do that. So we'll we'll have a dream team service Saturday night. And then we're gonna ask those of you that are on our team, our volunteer team to serve on Easter multiple services, because we will grow by a few thousand on Easter Sunday. And so that may not sound like a lot to you, it's a lot. It's a lot to our church. It's a lot to all of our locations and we need all the help we can get. And so we do ask people to serve multiple services. And if you would come on Saturday night, you'll enjoy that with your family. You get to pinch your kids the whole time, tell them to hush, go old school. You know what I'm saying? Give them a coloring book, keep them quiet. But anyway, hey, I wanna thank you for being a generous church as always. I got a cool story to share with you today, but I do wanna tell you, you're making a difference in the lives of so many people. And as a church, we're committed to handling the affairs and the needs of our church and those in our local community as best we can, Um, but especially the affairs of our church, budget, buildings, all that kind of stuff. We, we, we were always gonna do that well, and we wanna thank you for your giving. That is a big part of what your generosity does is provide for ministry, provide for a church and a staff and all that kind of stuff. But you're also able to make a difference through the ministry of this church uh, and through our missions partners, local and around the world. So whether you give online or through the app or in the mail or in one of our boxes in the lobbies, I wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you. The Apostle Paul talked about generosity this way, and he actually talked about the far-reaching impact that giving through your church can have. We believe the local church, uh, we, we tithe through our local church and there's a, there's, a giving, uh, there's a blessing on the back end of that of what we're able to do for others. Specifically, he encouraged the church at Philippi in Philippians 4, he thanked them for their repeated giving, their repeated generosity. He said, no other church besides you have had a consistent giving pattern. And then he said in Philippians 4, 17, watch this, he said, it's not that I seek your gift, it's not that I'm after your money, but I seek the fruit of your gift that increases to your credit. Hey, let me just give it to you in our terms. He said, I'm not, it, it's not that we're after your money, it's what we can do collectively with this giving. You hear what I'm saying? He says, we're, we're after the fruit of your generosity. That's lives changed, that's new ministries, that's starting new church plants, that's, that's doing something for the kingdom of God. And I just wanna tell you as clearly as I can from the bottom of my heart, like no one's motivated here to get your money but we wanna do more for God's kingdom. And so you're making a difference beyond your church with your generosity. Last week, uh, last uh, Saturday, a week and and a day ago, we had our semi-annual men's night. We do two men's nights a year and we do two uh, women's nights a year. And uh, last Saturday, we had over 700 men show up for our men's nights, biggest one we've ever had. And one of our ministry partners is the Hope Center ministries. We partner with them monthly. We also give gifts to them, and we also help put men and women in the Hope Center who need drug and alcohol rehab. Uh, It's a residential treatment program for men and women working through addiction recovery from drugs, alcohol, life-controlling substances. And we have this ongoing partnership with them, and every time you give, a portion of that goes to them. And we give monthly to keep these men and women in the program, and they have an amazingly high graduation rate and success rate, and most of their graduates stay sober forever and serve Jesus for the rest of their lives. It's very committed to Christ. Now, two weeks, hang on, so two Saturdays ago, we had 120 men from the Hope Center in in our room for our men's night. Last Friday, your giving helped them get here. Then I got this story about a young man who Friday morning woke up in jail and the judge moved him that afternoon to the Hope Center in McEwen or in Camden. So when he gets to the Hope Center, they said, we're so glad you're here. We're going to Clarksville for a men's night. So they bring him to Clarksville to our men's night, and in those seats, in this room, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. So he woke up in jail, and he gave his life to Christ the same night. Come on, somebody. Let's say yes. You are making a difference. Paul says it like this. We're not after money. We want to do more for God's kingdom. And here's what he says, and I give you credit for it. So church, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a generous church. That guy is forever changed and going to heaven, and your giving helped make that a reality. Come on, man, praise the Lord. Somebody, one more time, thank you, Jesus. That's cool, isn't it? Man, all right, you're making heaven bigger, so thank you so much for that. All right, since you brought your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 13, and I'm preaching a, a message today that I've titled, Keep God's Story Fresh. Eat God's story fresh. If you're not tracking, we've gotten so much from this Book of Acts series, and I hope it's been a blessing to you and your family. I wanna encourage everyone with a couple of things. I wanna encourage everyone to go back and read the whole Book of Acts again. Like take some time this week. Uh, Our team's going away for a few days on retreat. We're gonna do some intense training and just um, some retreat work together, but maybe maybe on those three days we can do that as well. I wanna encourage all of you to take some time and read through the whole Book of Acts this week And then as you have time, go back and listen to the series. Every verse of this book has been preached in a a sermon so far. And so if you're in a text and you go, I wonder what that's about, or I'm not clear about that, we'll go look up the sermon on our website or our podcast. And like I said last week, I'm encouraged, as I've been reading through Acts, by the dedications we see of the Christians in the book of Acts. I mean, dedicated to each other, to fellowship, to prayer, scripture, generosity. They're dedicated to a willingness to be persecuted. They're committed to these things. And I've been saying for a couple of weeks, if we wanna see the outcomes that God provides in the book of Acts, the question is, are we willing to carry the same devotions of the Christians in the book of Acts? And let that stir you a little bit. Let that challenge you as a church. If we want what God did then, are we willing to be who those people were then as well? You don't understand what I'm saying? They were committed to the scripture, committed to prayer and all these devotions. Well, today I'm moving forward uh, in Acts 13 and we're at, The apostle Paul, now we've seen his name shift from Saul to Paul, really the focus of his name shifting to Paul. It's his first big sermon. In Acts 13, he's preaching in a synagogue in a town called Antioch. And I've titled the message, Keep God's Story Fresh. Have you ever rewatched a movie that you haven't seen in a long time? Or rewatched a TV show? Uh, In the last couple years, there's been a couple movies that I've I watched Gladiator during the COVID, you know, crisis. I thought I haven't seen that movie in 15 or 20 years, and I watched it, and it was just as awesome as it ever was. By the way, uh, have you ever pulled out an old movie or an old TV show that you haven't seen in a long time? Earlier this week, I was with Stephanie, and and we were. Uh, I put on an episode of The Office. She was doing something, some work, something really spiritual, and I got out my phone and pulled up The Office, yeah. season four, episode one. It's when Michael Scott hits Meredith with his car. Yes. It's, it's a Hilarious episode. Well, I've watched the whole series like nine times. I don't know if I'm proud of that or ashamed of that, the time waste, but don't judge me. I've watched the whole series a lot. It's my favorite show ever. But even though I've seen it before, I saw some things watching this episode and especially watching it with Stephanie that I was just laughing. She's like, why are you laughing? You've seen this before. And part of it is the nuanced comedy in that show. And part of it's that she rolls her eyes at the comedy the whole time. And I love the fact that I love this show so much and she doesn't get it. I mean, it's hilarious to me. So anyway, I I encourage all of you to get a Peacock account and watch The Office. So what if we had that same approach with the Bible? Like with the scripture, the book of Acts or the gospel, when's the last time you heard a story from the gospel or something from the scripture, you, you, you remember the message that Jesus died for your sin, he paid the price for you to inherit eternal life. When's the last time that you thought about or reflected on the reality that God loves you so much that he wants the very best for you, that he made a way for you to live a life without guilt or shame, and that the Holy Spirit desires to live on the inside of you and make your life better? When's the last time that felt fresh to you? The last time you thanked God for the amazing gospel and his incredible gift of salvation? I'll be honest, when I heard the story of the young man from the Hope Center, who he, he said it like this, this morning I ate breakfast in jail and this evening I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I, it overwhelmed me, I got emotional thinking about it I, and I reflected on it multiple times thinking, man, God, I'm so thankful that we get to be a small part of what you are doing in eternity. I'm afraid that sometimes if we're not careful, we can get used to hearing the story of the gospel and it just becomes usual. We look at Easter as another telling of the resurrection and we don't like stand in awe of the fact that the God of eternity did that for us. I've read the Bible enough times that it can lose its brilliance. You ever start a Bible reading plan again? And you're like, well, let me just rush through numbers. Let me get through Deuteronomy quick. You know, like we we just read the Bible as as like it's, it's, it's this old novel that we're reading again. If we're not careful, we forget the gospel is the greatest news that's ever been told that God created us in his image, that we fell into sin and God made a way of escape. And he made a plan from the beginning that he would give his own self to die in our place. And that he would not just die for our sin, but he would raise from the dead, conquering sin and death. We don't even have to fear death anymore. And when we put our hope and trust in Jesus, the finished, work of Jesus. We believe that he lived a perfect life, died and resurrected from the dead. That we can have resurrected eternal life as well. When's the last time we were just like blown away by that? In Acts 13, we pick up with the apostle Paul landing in a new town. He's on his first missionary assignment with Barnabas. Now he has presumably for a couple of years been living out this gospel story and living out gospel life and living the Christian witness, Barnabas has for sure. And he shows up to a new town and goes to a new church and he preaches the gospel to people who have never heard it before. Hey, I wanna tell you something. There are people in our town who have actually never heard the gospel. They've heard of the church. They've maybe even heard of Jesus and they've definitely heard of Christians. But there are people in our town that have never heard the gospel. There are people in this world that have never heard that God loves them, that God has plan and purpose for them, that God died for them so that they can have eternal life. And he comes to a new town and he tells a story, not like it's old hat, but he tells it brilliantly, like it's the greatest news ever told. It's an amazing opportunity. So I want us to walk through together, Paul's encounter with another city named Antioch and the, the, the Jewish followers of, 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 of the Jewish tradition and how he deals with them there. So let's pick up, if you remember last week, we saw where Paul and Barnabas, they're they're in a time of worship and prayer and they lay hands on them and send them onto their first missionary journey, led by the Holy Spirit. They come to a town, uh, they come to Cyprus and that's where they had the confrontation with this guy named Bar Jesus, trying to be a magician, trying to be a sorcerer. And you remember, Paul looks this guy in the face and says, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. What a great showdown, right? That was amazing. Anybody try that this week at work? Trying to be biblical, just call somebody. Okay, no, thank you for that. Um, So now we're moving on and starting in verse 13, uh, we're gonna see that they come to new places, but they have the same passion and it never gets old. It doesn't become routine. And I wanna encourage you in your life to look for new places to express the passion that you have for God. Watch this in verse 13. Now, Paul and his companions, set sail from Paphos. Now we know that he's with Barnabas, but now he's got a squad. He's got a group of people that he's with. They set sail from Paphos and they come to Perga and Pamphylia. And un, we don't know why, but John has now left them and returned to Jerusalem. Incidentally, if you remember last week, we saw twice that John followed along at the end of chapter 12 in the middle of uh, chapter 13, John was the companion of Paul and Barnabas, John who was also called Mark. So uh, John has left them and returned to Jerusalem, but they went on to Perga, and then here it is, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. Now, this is the beginning of the preaching ministry of Paul and Barnabas, notice that Paul has a squad. Notice that Paul has a crew of people with him, and for some reason, John has left him. I've said this for a long time, it's very important that you are in healthy relationships with other Christians. By the way, notice the levels of of influence and engagement For this crew, the only people we hear preaching at all are Paul in this text, but Paul and Barnabas, but for some, they had a whole team. Why? Because they needed a dream team. They had people serving administratively, serving in assistance, serving as just friendship and prayer team. They had people serving on the team, which is why being on a dream team is important. You don't have to be the front person to to matter to the kingdom of God. And so he's got this squad with him, this crew of people with him. And for some reason now John's left. But I've said it before, you are absolutely missing out if you're not doing Christian life with other Christians. Don't do Christianity alone. Please make sure that you have Christian friends that you're communicating with, that you're regular attender in church, with your family and participating in a small group. By the way, for everyone who's on a dream team, It's part of our design as a church that you're doing ministry in teams. We don't want any Lone Ranger dream teamer at our church. We don't want anybody just showing up, doing their thing and rolling out. We wanna pray together, we wanna huddle up, we wanna encourage one another, hold each other accountable. In the last year, we've actually given a lot more attention and focus to our huddles and our time together because this time of building one another up and encouraging each other is so important. How many of you have ever come to church on a Sunday and you've just been beat up all week? Don't lie to me, I know you have. No, no, things are great. Praise God, I'm just good all the time. No, but when you get around your team and you ask those questions, how are we doing this week? Well, I need prayer, I need encouragement. Man, that's one of the main reasons for these huddles, to hear where we're heading as a church and to pray and hold one another accountable. Paul had a squad. It's important that you are doing life with other believers. I'm telling you, I'm so proud of our dream teams, how they pray together, huddle up, encourage one another, hold each other accountable. Also in small groups or on your dream team, there is great value in being relation, in relationship with other believers. Can somebody say amen this morning? Amen. There's also a time that relationships part ways and we see it here. It's one of the first times that a significant ministry partnership splits. We have no real clear reason as to why John left from the scriptures. Like it doesn't say John also named Mark and we're, we're trying to figure out like, is this the Mark who wrote the gospel of Mark? It's not clear. Some say yes, some aren't sure. But for some reason, John is like assigned to ministry with Paul and Barnabas, but now, and we don't know why, John leaves. John splits from the ministry team. Some scholars believe it was over a disagreement about ministry. Uh, You know, Paul liked blue lights and smoke and John liked hymns and pews. No, that's not it. They did think that maybe it was because Paul and Barnabas had elevated and John's like the senior saint, but he's kind of getting less notoriety. Maybe he was jealous. Some think maybe John was homesick. It's not clear why John left. And they actually get together again in Acts 15, thankfully, but it's something that I think is worth noting. Some relationships will last you a lifetime and some of your relationships have seasons. Now I'm gonna tell you, I'm an extrovert, I'm a people person, and this is often hard for me. I don't like breakups, you know what I'm saying? Like my wife, she tried to break up with me 17 times when we were dating and I just, I didn't, never did that happen by the way. I was, Trying to make a stupid joke and it fell flat right when I said it. And I know she's sitting over there going, that never happened. Anyway, I don't like it. It's painful for me. When people leave our team, when people leave my life, it's painful when friendships stop, you know, when they ghost you, I don't like it. But some of us have to realize that some relationships will last a long time and some relationships just have seasons. Over the years, we've had staff members leave, church members go to other churches, close friends that no longer wanna have anything to do with you, but I I do tell our team and I I wanna tell you, keep an open hand and an open heart for people. Don't burn bridges, forgive where necessary, bless people when you can. Often in churches and probably true in friendships generally, like even the question, like I'm trying to figure out why did John leave, why did John leave? Because I'm a dramatic church person, (laughs) right? Like what happened? Why'd they leave, why'd they quit? Why'd they go to another church? What's wrong? We don't know what's wrong. We just know John left and, and maybe God and his providence just had that split for them. But I wanna encourage you with relationships. Always keep an open hand and heart for people. Forgive if necessary, bless people when you can. Often in churches and probably true in friendships generally, if people leave, it's painful, dramatic, and can be hard. Just know that seasons can change and that's okay. Now, if you're in covenant, like marriage, that season doesn't get to change. You get to go through, better and worse, sickness and health, the highs and the lows. You stick it out because you're in commitment and covenant. But otherwise, be kind and gracious and always, this is something my wife always reminds me of, always leave room for people to show back up in your life one day and be surprised when they do. Hey, so good to see you. How are you doing? And be willing to say, I forgave you a long time ago. I just think it's worth noting because John, who twice in the last chapter has been said, he was the companion, he was a companion. Now he dips out. And we don't always handle that right in the church world anyway. So then on the Sabbath day, this is my favorite part. Well, it's one of my favorite parts. So then on the Sabbath day, verse 14, they went to Perga, yeah, okay. On the Sabbath day, they went to the synagogue and sat down. Now that's actually important language because if, if, he was, if it was implied that they were gonna be leading, they would have sat in the front or they would have stood with the rabbis. But they just went to church and took a seat. They went and sat down. And after reading from the law and the prophets, which was the, the, the rhythm of the synagogue service, they read from the law, something from Genesis through Deuteronomy, and then they read from the prophetic literature. It says, after that, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to Paul and Barnabas saying, hey, brothers, if you guys have a word of encouragement for the people, say it which is every preacher's favorite thing to happen. <laughs> oh, oh, you want me? Oh, no, okay, for real, I'm in. Don't let me be a guest at your church and ask me to come for you. You know what I'm saying? Let, let me just pause and tell you some things I noticed from this scene, because we're talking about new city, but same passions, right? We're, we're talking about Paul and Barnabas, they're in a new place, they've never been here, according to scripture, at least, and, and they're in a new town. Paul and Barnabas are visiting a new town. Now, this is Antioch, but it's a different Antioch than the one that we read about a couple weeks ago in chapter 11. That Antioch is where Christians were first called, uh, disciples were first called Christians. This is another state, if you will, uh, with a city called Antioch, kind of like how there's Springfields in a lot of different states, right? So there's another town called Antioch, they're further north, and they had been prayed over, sent out as Christians to, to tell the good news. Now they come to a new city and a new synagogue, but they're already exhibiting their same passions. And one of the passions that I just wanna point out is they have a, it's a pattern that all of us should emulate. When they came to a new town, they found a church to attend. Like immediately. Now, obviously they're gonna be traveling and going on, but they didn't church shop. They didn't Google for five-star reviews. They just found a church. They just found a synagogue. And and we know that they just found a place to attend because it says they just went and sat down. So they went to church and sat in a room to hear a good word, could somebody say amen. Amen. We have no indication that they were there on the preaching circuit, or they were there to be guest speakers, like Paul and Barnabas were invited by the synagogue leaders to come and give a word. No, 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 they were already doing the preaching, teaching out of the law and out of the prophetic literature. They were doing the rhythm of the rabbinical teaching. And then they see these guys and they go, hey, do y'all have anything to say? But before we get into what they said, they went to church as an attender probably. Can I just say something honestly? I love going to church. I love it. And before I was ever a pastor and ever worked in a church, I loved going to church. I've always looked forward to the weekend. I plan my weekend according to going to church somewhere. And even when my family travels, we never miss church. When we go out of town for the weekend, we Google and find a church. We often find a small church to go to so that we can be an encouragement to the pastor there. We always attend church. We always attend in person, new city, same passion. I don't go online stream because I'm in Destin. Come on, soaking it up on the beach. Talking about soaking up some jeans. No, 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 I go to church. I put on a college shirt. I put on some jeans and flip-flops. Bless God, I'm in the beach town. And I go, listen, we go put our kids in Kid Point. We participate in singing worship. We lift our hands. We don't watch around and just go, well, I don't, this isn't my normal church. I don't, no, 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 I'm not gonna get comfortable here. I'm as comfortable with Jesus in that church as I am in this church. We take notes on the sermon. I bring a notebook and a Bible, old school. I crack it open. I make notes in the margins because even though I'm in a new place, I have a same passion for the things of God. And one of the things Stephanie and I always do is we bring a cash offering for the pastor just to be a blessing to him and his wife. Now that may be something you don't care to know about. It may be a little private, but there's something about as a pastor, when I go to a church, I just, I give them the old Pentecostal handshake. Y'all know what that is? It's when you pull a folded up bill out your pocket. So they can't see it. And you go, hey bro, nice to meet you. And they can't see it till they shake. And then I go, take your wife and kids to lunch today. And just know from one pastor to another, you're killing it. You're doing a great job. Be encouraged. And they always go, oh man, you didn't have to do this. They, <laughs> they always take it, <laughs> every single time. They're, they're always like, you don't have to, but they never give it back. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> every pastor's encouraged by that. Let me just tell you something. I never miss church. I never skip out, why? Even in a new city, I have the same passion. Do we have a passion for God's house? Do we have a passion for God's word? If you're in a new season, a new career, you got a new office, you're in a new space, do you still have the same passion for the God who promoted you there? You're in a new house in a new neighborhood. Do you still keep the passion burning hot for the things that God is doing in your life? Man, I love this, new season, new place, same passion every preacher's favorite question comes up. (laughs) After the scriptures were read and taught on, the rabbis did their job. They send a note to Paul and Barnabas and they said, hey, do you guys have any encouraging words to share? And I'm gonna tell you what, Pastor Paul showed up that day and he gives what is a timeless story that is incredibly powerful today. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Like, does the gospel still energize you? Has it become usual? Has it become mundane? Has it become routine? Some of us grow up in church and we say, I've heard this my whole life. Well, you need to hear it again. Get your new Bible translation. Watch a movie for God's sake. Watch The Chosen. Go watch The Passion of the Christ from Mel Gibson. Do something to let that story be fresh in your eyes again. So Paul takes a multiple centuries old story and makes it incredibly powerful for today. So being a good preacher, verse 16, Paul stood up and I love this, watch motioning with his hands. In other words, sit down everybody. I don't know what he did, honestly, but I imagine him going, shut up. Listen, I got lots to say. So Paul motioning with his hands, that's a sign of like authority. He's an apostle. They don't know him at all. He's a visitor. He sits them all down. And then he says, men of Israel and all of you who fear God. Listen, when you ask a preacher, if he's got something to say, you better know he does. In fact, let me just challenge every one of you Christians. By the way, I'm not the only preacher in the room. You're all preachers. You have the gospel in your heart. You have the gospel in your life, it's changed you. So listen, I wanna challenge all of you, be ready with good news on your lips. Always consider what's a great word you can share with others today. In fact, when you have your devotional in the morning or if you have it at night the next morning, I want you to say, here's something I can share when somebody asks me today, how's it going? How's your day? Don't, I got a friend, he loves to be honest when people go, how are you today? It was terrible. In fact, my wife and I are fighting and my kids don't obey. And frankly, I got gas from my breakfast. You know, like it's awful. Don't do that. Come up with a great word every day. How's it going today? Man, I'm blessed and highly favored. God's been so good to me. How you doing? Always have a response and be ready with some good news on your lips. Consider what's a great word that you can share with somebody this week, every day, if someone asks you, how are you? Man, I'm blessed, I'm great. God has shown me some things in the word. We should never be caught off guard. Could you imagine if Paul was like, no, man, no, I'm, I'm, I'm unfamiliar here, I don't wanna offend anybody. No, no, I got nothing to say. God sent him for this reason. And let me remind you, Christians, God has sent us into this world as well. They were in a place they loved and they were the church and they were ready with a word from God. And so Paul shares the best news he could. He didn't just tell which team won the NCAA final four. He didn't tell uh, what's happened at his job. He didn't start griping about his kids or his family of origin issues. He preaches the best news that he could. Maybe he thought I'll never get an audience with these people again. Maybe he thought God sent me here with Barnabas and it cost me John to come here but I'm gonna take this opportunity to say the best news that I could ever share. It's the first time we see the apostle Paul preach a sermon, sent out on his ministry trips. He starts way back, watch what he does. He starts in a Jewish synagogue. So they knew the history of the scripture. He starts in verse 17, he says, the God of this people Israel chose our fathers. Imagine being in the room, leaning in, hearing this story. Now they had just read from the law. They had just read from the prophets. And Paul is now standing and says, the God of our people has chosen our fathers and made this people great, even during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, God led them out of Egypt. And for about 40 years, God put up with them in the wilderness. Now this story has very few details as Paul tells it, why? Because they all knew the story of the Exodus. Everyone, this is a familiar story to them. So he's, he's attaching it. Watch what he says, verse 19. And then after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, God gave them their land as an inheritance. So this God who selected us and put up with them in the wilderness and drove them out of Egypt, he destroyed seven nations in Canaan. And now he gave them their land as an inheritance. He said, all of this took about 450 years. And then after that, God gave them judges. And then God gave them Samuel, the prophet. Then, they asked God for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. Notice what Paul is doing. He's threading a story that's very familiar to them, starting with the Exodus, starting with the occupation in Israel, in Egypt, starting with the deliverance and the Canaanites and the land that they were given after 40 years in the wilderness, and then the, the, the judges and the prophets and the kings he talks about Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. He's telling the story that they're familiar with and he's weaving it into a powerful moment for them. It's actually brilliant preaching to take their story and bring it to the point of Jesus. In verse 22, he says, and when God had removed him, David, or excuse me, Saul, when God had removed Saul, he raised up David to be their king. Now everybody's sitting up because they love David. They're like, oh, that's my David, that's my boy, Hercules, you know, like they love David. And so now the story's getting fun. Like they're getting excited. They went from Moses to David. This is a couple thousand years of difference here. And they're leaning in going, oh, what's he going to say about David? And for the first time in the New Testament, we read this. He raised up David to be their king, of whom God testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. You know, these people in the synagogue are just warm. They're bubbling over. Oh man, that's my David. He was, even God knew David was a good man a man after my own heart and who will do all of my will. And then watch how Paul makes the connection. And of this man, David, this man's offspring, here we go. God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, just as he promised. I want you to notice the brilliance of the apostle Paul. This was quick. He doesn't know how long his timer. Like I got eight and a half minutes left on my timer. Like he didn't know how much time he had on his countdown clock. But he very quickly stood up and he shared the best news that he could share when he was called upon. He went from our God is amazing to Moses, to the wilderness, to the promised land, to the judges, to Samuel, to the prophets, to King Saul, to King David, to Jesus. He made their story become their reality. He made what was old become new. He made what was timeless become fresh in their eyes. He masterfully and brilliantly tied the story of their shared past and all that God had done in their people. And he made all of that clearly about their future as people with Jesus. He took 170 words and went from way back to right now. He took their treasured story and brought God's power to the front of it. Listen, God is so good, he will use everyone of your past, everyone's pain, everyone's story to connect those people to himself. I was thinking this morning as we're singing, all my life you have been faithful. Every time I hear that song, it wrecks me inside because I start thinking about when I was four years old and something happened to me, when I was seven years old and something else happened and God preserved me and he saved my life multiple times and how all throughout my life, God kept me and preserved me and protected me and he's been faithful to me. And what seemed painful in the moment, what was difficult at different times, what was absolutely heart crushing at seasons of my life, God has used to the glory of God. All my life, he's been faithful and God would say, listen, God would say everyone's past, everyone's pain, everyone's story God will use to connect to Jesus. He can interrupt anyone's past and become their future. What a brilliant preacher the Apostle Paul is. And can I tell you something? God has tasked you preachers to look for ways by the anointing of God to connect Jesus to the pain of your friends and your family and those that you work with. He goes on to say in verse 26, brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those of you who fear God, to us has been sent. Now he's talking to our people, the Jewish people. He said, to us has been sent this message of this salvation. The major focus of Paul's story is not to wax eloquent in the law and the prophets. The rabbis had already done that. Not to prove how smart he was in his command of scripture, but it was to introduce people to the gospel to tell them that salvation comes in Jesus. He wasted no time and neither should we. Listen to me, church. We must look for creative and powerful ways to let people know about Jesus and to know that God wants to be the center of their story. It's why we teach on redemption in our Next Steps class, because we think that everything that has happened in your life, God can redeem in turn for his good when Christ is the center of it. We need to pray and ask God for opportunities to help people see that he desires to know them, to walk with them, to be their God. And look, no one's past is too long, is too tough, is too sinful, is too painful to not have Jesus take over in the center of it. Verses 27 to 29, he goes on, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers because they didn't recognize him nor understand Jesus, and the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, they actually fulfilled the prophetic things by condemning Jesus. He's kind of digging on them, on the Jerusalem synagogue rulers. And I'm, I'm kind of briefing, briefing over this because he's staying in the gospel, verse 28. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. See how he's telling the gospel, new, new room, new crowd. But Paul could have been like, yes, this happened, blah, 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 boring story, I've heard it before every Easter. But he's making it so white hot with passion, listen. They asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried it all out, all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree. They laid him in the tomb. And verse 30 says, but God raised him from the dead. Man, I'm gonna tell you something. If this doesn't happen, you've got no story to tell. If the resurrection didn't occur, we are pitiful for following Jesus. That's what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. If the resurrection didn't happen, pity on us for following Jesus. He said, but God raised him from the dead and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem who are now his witnesses. There's many who saw, this is what he's saying, and we bring you, here it is. They asked Paul and Barnabas, y'all got anything to say? He goes, yeah, let me tie all of your past into your future. And he said, and God raised Jesus from the dead. And here it is. And so now we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled. Remember, he started with the fathers. He started with Moses and Abraham. And he said, what God promised, that whole story of your life and your history and your legacy is all coming together in Jesus. Look at this. What God's promised to the fathers, he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus from the dead. This is huge. First time these people had ever heard this great news. That the whole story of their Bible, their law, their prophets, the stories of Moses and Abraham, even the way they had lived this life trying to follow God had all come to a point that God had some great news for them and it comes to Jesus. God gave Jesus for their salvation, finally, This Antioch has the good news. In fact, we're gonna see next week, they are begging Paul and Barnabas, teach us more, teach us more, teach us more. Can I tell you something? I believe our world would be hungry for more if we would stop teaching what we're against and the rules to follow, and we just taught people that Jesus can change their lives. People would be hungry for that. God can change me, God can turn my life around, God can deliver me from sin and bondage and sexual immorality and impurity and addiction. God can change that, absolutely. If we'd stay there instead of, well, you can't and you better not and I can't believe you. Man, there's a bright, the next week we're gonna see they were hung, stay with us, don't leave. They begged that these things might be told. Come back next week. I don't wanna spoil my sermon, but that's what they said next week. <laughs> Can you imagine being there when these people heard this for the first time? Can you imagine being around the guys from the Hope Center last Saturday when that dude who they knew came that day from that jail walked down to this room and gave his life to Jesus? Can you imagine how amazing it would have been? Listen, you and I all know people who have not actually heard the good news that Jesus is for them, can heal them, can save them, fill them with the Holy Spirit, transform their lives, take them from brokenness to wholeness and give them eternal life. But listen to me, it is not the job of your pastor to bring this good news. It is the job of the Christian to bring this good news. So I wanna challenge every one of you to look for ways to be ready at all times, to share this good news and let people know that hope is alive and hope is found in Jesus, the resurrected son. Without a resurrection, there's nothing to tell as Easter approaches, what a time to tell this story. What a weekend to invite a friend to hear about the resurrection. Finally, as I close, I wanna end just with verse 36. I could keep going, but I'm gonna pause here because there's a big story. I mean, Paul just took an entire Old Testament Bible and put it into two paragraphs. That's the ultimate note. But this big story, everybody look at this. This is now your purpose. Paul is no more special than you and I when it comes to an assignment to tell people about Jesus. He may have been apostolic in starting and overseeing churches, but he was first had to be faithful with just telling the gospel. Before you promote to pastoral leadership, you gotta first find yourself faithful and just tell your neighbors about Jesus. Tell your kids about Jesus Christ. Tell somebody about the Lord. Look at what it says in verse 36 and we'll stop at this text. For David, remember David's a man after God's heart. He'll do all the will of God. Look what it says about David. For David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, in other words, after he did everything God wanted to do in his lifetime, then David fell asleep. As Paul brings his sermon to a close, he goes back to mention David. Remember, they loved David. They had found David to be a man after God's heart. The Jewish audience loved him. He was a man after God's heart, known to do the will of God. And Paul is connecting David to the real king. He's going from King David to King Jesus, who is a true and better David. Not just a man after God's heart, but Jesus is a man with God's heart because he's God. But I love this text. After David served the purpose of God in his own generation, after he served the purpose of God in his life, the plan of God for his life in his own lifetime, while he was living, then he died. Wow. God didn't let David die until God, until he served God fully and faithfully. You ever heard the statement like our days are numbered, God knows when the end will be. I believe God has purpose and destiny in you and desires that you fulfill God's plan for your life. And then ask the Lord, when you're done with me, take me home. I don't wanna retire on the beach collecting shells being pointless for God. So let me just ask you, are you living the full and faithful life God wants for you to live? Hey Christian, are you bursting with God's purpose? Are you fulfilling the plan of God and the calling of God and the purpose of God on your life for the full season that you're alive on earth with your family, with your career, in your passions and in your witness for God? Now I don't know all of your jobs in this room I don't know all your callings and careers, but I do wanna ask, are you fulfilling the purpose of God for your life? One of the things about David is he was on purpose. He was on mission with God. Are you fulfilling God's purpose for your life or are you fulfilling your purpose? Are you living for your own gain? Are we biding time doing whatever fills our cup and fills our bank accounts and fills our real estate portfolios and fills our passions? Or does our life make a difference for eternity? Recently, I challenged the people in a small group that I lead, and I'm really, uh, to really look for the opportunity to share the gospel. See, let me just say this for the Christian. Our ultimate purpose, you should write this down and know this. The ultimate purpose of the Christian is to know God and to make him known. That's it. Everything else you do, God will use your career, your job, your family, everything else he'll use for his glory. But the ultimate purpose of the believer is to know God more fully, follow Jesus faithfully, right? And second, to make him known to others. I've challenged this small group. Don't just talk about prayer in church. Don't just invite people to church, invite them to Jesus. Help connect the dots between someone's life and the life of Christ. Tell them about the resurrection. So let me share with you what I shared with them. I learned this from a, a meeting I was at with a guy named John Maxwell, who's a leadership coach and devout follower of Christ. And he was talking through reasons why we share the gospel to try to make God known. And I'm gonna say these to you quickly because I'm out of time. But first of all, we share the gospel because Jesus is God's greatest gift to the world. That's the first reason why. It's the greatest news ever. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's the greatest news ever. It's better news than elections. It's better news than banking. Bitcoin going up, it's better news than anything else. God still loved the world. We share the gospel because knowing Jesus is the only way anybody can know God. We share the gospel because everyone else's attempts to get to God are failed and flawed. They're counterfeits. Every other religion is fake. I'm gonna say it, they're false. John 14:6, Jesus said, I'm the only way, the only truth, the only one that can bring you eternal life. Now, if that's not true, Jesus is a liar. So if you're gonna say all roads lead to heaven and all religions lead to God, then you're saying Jesus is a liar. But knowing Jesus is the only way we can know God. We share our faith because a relationship with Jesus is a life full of abundance. Jesus said in John ten ten, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life, but I have come to give you life overflowing. We share the gospel because a life without Jesus is a death sentence. John three sixteen, God so loved the world. John three seventeen, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it, but that through him, the world may be saved. And without Christ, there is condemnation. Those who don't follow Jesus will receive their own condemnation. By the way, don't start there. The gospel is good news. It's not anti-bad news. If you died today, would you go to hell? That is not a good start. It's in there, but it's not the starting point. It's like selling a vacuum going do you want your house to burn up with your old vacuum cleaner it's a terrible start is it possible maybe anyway moving on number five we share the gospel because believing in jesus gives us eternal life and living he said those who believe in me will never die but shall live eternally john 11 we share the gospel because jesus told us to In Matthew 28, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples. I challenged the question in my small group. I was like, if Jesus Christ walked in the room today and gave one instruction, go tell people about me. How many of us would say, no, I'm not gonna obey that. But actually by not sharing the gospel, we've said, no, I'm not gonna obey that. Number seven, we share the gospel because Jesus wants a relationship with all people. Revelation three, Jesus says, I'm standing at the door knocking. I'm trying to come into your life and you'd be with me. And finally, we share the gospel because Jesus changed us. And man, the same God that flipped my life upside down is the same God that wants to flip your life upside down. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, he who is in Christ is a new creation. Revelation 12 says, we're overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This is our purpose now. Keep, the, keep this gospel message white hot. We are to know God and to make him known, to share his good news. Never let the gospel be old news. Always keep it fresh and ready to share. It. Invite people to Easter. Invite people to Jesus. Let this be our purpose. Fulfill God's purpose while we live like David. Can I hear a big amen, everybody? Amen. Has this been a blessing to you, an encouragement, challenging. Amen. The Father in Jesus' name. Would you let this word translate into our hearts and transform us mightily in Jesus' name. Can we open our hands to the Lord as a sign of surrender to God? Father, we're all in with you today. We are yours. We're ready to be used by God and on purpose. Lord God, we don't have to be the Apostle Paul. We're just me. We're just us. We're just who we are. But God, you've put the gospel in our hearts. And Lord, would you put the gospel in our mouths. And God, would you give us divine assignment. God, at work, and in our family, in our neighborhood, and everywhere that we are, God, that we would have a word in due season to share with other people about Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the Apostle Paul. that he had a deep passion for the things that matter, to go to church, to pray, to to do the disciplines of Christian life But God. He gave him opportunity it prepared and opened him up for the opportunity to share the gospel. May we have a passion for living for Christ all the time. For the, the house of God, for generosity, for all the things that you've called us to. And Lord, would you open opportunities that we would share the gospel with other people in Jesus' name. This week, when someone says, how you doing? Say, I'm blessed and highly favored. God's been so good to me. God, give us a word on our mouths to share with others, to open doors, to share the gospel. Lord, it's our calling, our purpose. And Lord, may we, like David, fulfill your purpose for our lifetimes and our generations pray this with me come on online and in the room and everywhere else at Austin P in Arizona say God I'm all in say I believe in Jesus that he died for me so that I can live for him for the rest of my life say I received this assignment to share the gospel with other people to be a witness to invite others to know Jesus now say this say God use me for your purpose in Jesus name come on I'm all in Amen. Amen, everybody.